we are trying to fit in liturgy between 11 o'clock and 11.30. The reason being that like this morning, the matin service started at 8 and it was three hours long. And we usually need a little break uh, between matins and coming in for liturgy. So uh, I think we're going to be a little bit later. Also, the sign outside should have 11 o'clock for liturgy. So Lisa started working on it, but she hasn't got quite the, the 11 in there yet. So maybe somebody else could help her a little bit. Now, I'm going to relax a little bit before I start preaching. Behold, the wise men were looking for him from the stars. The stars appeared. They came and searched for him for three years and found him in Bethlehem. So he wasn't exactly an infant by that time. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, today I'm going to talk to you about this season of uh, the fast and uh, the holidays that fall between uh, the beginning of the fast and uh, <clears throat> and Christmas. So the fast, uh, according to our jurisdiction, is sort of a light fast. It starts on the Philip's Feast in the evening and goes to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve fast, of course, is special. And many people celebrate actually Christmas on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day, of course, we have liturgy, and we have special liturgy on Christmas Eve, too. Uh, the season is 40 days, just like the Lenten fast, but it's not quite as strict, at least among the people. So they fast on Wednesday and Friday. Monks fast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and they keep a stricter fast because they're monks. But for the lay people, at least in those days, try to abstain from meat. Uh, why do we fast? In preparation for the feast. Why do we fast? Because Jesus taught us in the gospel that evil can only be driven out by prayer and fasting. And of course, this is a penitential season. So we should fast and we should prepare for confession before uh, Christmas. We usually go to confession according to our tradition before every great feast day. All penitential seasons and there's four is a preparation for by fasting and by confession. That means that during that time you're uh, earnestly at prayer, uh, examining your conscience, and uh, pray. And when you examine your conscience, that means you should be uh, fasting. Our inclination in our society 
is they start Christmas uh, at uh, Thanksgiving. And that's really the fast period for us, from Philip's fast, and as we get some dispensations during the fast, one is for St. Nicholas, and of course one is for Christmas Day because it's an American feast day. But all the other fasts then should be observed as best you can. I don't think you're going to get into heaven without fasting. I don't think you're going to console your, control your passions without fasting. I think it's necessary. Paul told us that, and I've told you many times, uh, our, if you cannot control your stomach, you can't control all your passions. It's very important in the Byzantine Catholic home that the mother uh, keep the fast and teach the children to fast according to their ability. Now, I don't mean if you're digging ditches that you should be fasting heavy like the dad or something, but some kind of fasting has to be done for in that period. It's just not a, a mark in the cost, I mean, in the calendar. It's a preparation for the nativity of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ by prayer and fasting. It's a purification rite. It's also a penitential rite to do uh, penances for our sins and for the, our neighbors who need our prayer. We do have an obligation to pray for our neighbors. It's the best thing we can do for them. Very important. Parents every should have a habit, habit of sending a good example to their children about prayer and fasting. And they should always remember the prayer for mom and dad and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and the ones before. Uh, they should always be praying for the ones who fall asleep in the Lord, responsible for us being here. And, and we should pray that God will be merciful to them, as we all know we are sinners, and maybe they didn't do penance as they should. So what do you do about when you're at work and they're having all these parties? Be an, be, be an example of Christian witness. Eat what you can, but don't eat the forbidden things. And do not drink excessively. In American society, the drink is a uh, party thing, and it's abused. And, uh, and many times, the Christmas money and things like that in the family goes on parties. That's not good. It should go on food for the feast and the little gifts we're going to give. And gift giving in our church is for St. Nicholas Day and, of course, at Christmas. I always enjoyed the fact that my mother's family were Rimskis, Roman Catholics, and my uh, grandparents were, of course, Greek Catholic, like my dad, and I'm Greek Catholic. And uh, I always got two Christmases, so... In the old days, our Christmas was in January. And then they decided, Parish by Parish, to have Christmas on the 25th of December in, in America. But in the old country, they never did change the date. But my grandparents, they thought, well, they 
They were raised in the old country. They were so we had two Christmases. We had American Christmas and Arisen Christmas. I thought it was great because I got presents twice. But of course, that's the way children think. But uh, children don't expect a hell of a lot, too much. His parents should not break the bank, uh, and you shouldn't ask for too much. You should pray for your parents. And I hope the gifts are useful. Uh, the greatest gift is Holy Supper on Christmas Eve. And uh, our tradition, Jesus was born during the night. And uh, in our Slavonic, we call the night Jesus was born Nuk, the, the holy night. So that went so... He wasn't born in the morning on Christmas Day. Of course, they probably celebrated it. And he was born in a humble stable. The kings came and they brought gifts. That's why usually we give gifts on the Three Kings Day or Theophany. The gifts that they brought were symbolic of who Jesus was. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for his royalty, frankincense for divinity, and myrrh is worship. And so sometimes, if you can find it, we put a little box on the table with those spices in it for Holy Supper. The other thing that we do for Holy Supper is that we light one candle when the light goes down, when it gets dark, we put it on the dinner table for um, the Star of Bethlehem. The other thing we do is we use white linen on the table because it says Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And usually, when I was in the city, I'd go out during the summer and I'd cut some grass and dry it because he was born in a stable, and I put that on the table, too. My grandparents, they put, a lot of, they put a lot of grass in the house, so it's sort of a problem to clean it up. But after a while, they just put a little bit, because they were getting older. And then at Holy Supper, my grandfather would stand and say a big prayer. Oh, maybe half an hour prayer. I was just sitting there, you know. And listening, it was not in English, so it wasn't always understandable to me. And he had to stand there with a shot glass. And then they'd say, Nazdravya to your health, and they'd all drink that shot. On the table were other symbolic things. A little loaf of bread for the newborn Christ, of course the candle, and honey and garlic. So the father, beginning of the meal, before mom got, would get all the warm stuff on the table, the father would take the honey and he would bless his wife and children on the forehead and the sign of the cross that they might be sweet and holy in the new coming year. And then finally, 
Usually the oldest son would bless his father. And so we had the bread for the newborn infant. We had the honey and we have the toast. Then prayer was said for um, the meal. On the meal were the dishes for the 12 apostles and the door was shut once the meal began. No man could leave the table. Only women would serve at the table. And uh, no, if a boy wasn't old enough or he missed up, he couldn't sit at the table. They put him in a separate table. Children were at a separate table. So I remember when I was eight years old, my grandfather got done saying the prayer. And it was very interesting. We were living in Michigan, and we'd get on the train and travel uh, through the night. In the afternoon, it was dark. It was very dark on the west, East Coast. We'd get there. My uncle would be at the train station to take us to the house. We got to the house. It was dark. It smelled wonderful because of all the baked goods and all the food. And it was, there would be a tree in the uh, living room, and uh, the whole family would be there. It was a great feast for us. And then Grandpa would start the prayer. When I was eight years old, he brought me to the table. He said, my grandson was sitting next to me. Well, that was a great elevation. That was a rite of passage from childhood to being a man. Great things, beautiful things, beautiful customs. The Christmas holiday is centered around family, the Holy Family. And we are part of the Holy Family because we're baptized and chrismated. So it's our party too. Now Christmas Day was just like American Christmas Day. They had a turkey or something and they would eat. But the big deal was the evening and in the morning some of my older relatives they take me to divine liturgy in the evening Christmas Eve and it was wonderful because in those days they really de decorated churches and there would be Christmas trees lit just with lights and there would be the smell of incense and candles everywhere and this liturgy would be celebrated, sometimes with vespers. And everything, the bells would ring and the church would smell. That place was hopping. And it was usually packed. It was just wonderful to experience that. The next day, I always got up and went to liturgy, too, on Christmas Day. Then we came back. We had uh, a regular Christmas like all the Americans do. We did that. I think about all those things at this time of year, and it's great to have been trained that way. Sometimes they didn't talk too much about our faith. They assumed that we were in parochial schools and things like that. We knew the faith. It's not necessarily true. I was lucky. I was among the Slavs, so they, they were very good about changing the faith, the nuns and everything like that. No more nuns. I don't see any more nuns. I don't know what happened to them. 
a few here and there. In those days, a big holiday like that, there were eight sisters in our parish, and they'd come marching down the aisle before the beginning of the Christmas liturgy, and we looked forward to that. And they would decorate their convent, and they would have a beautiful meal themselves. It says, truly, a feast. A feast with preparation for 40 days, a feast with fasting, a feast with light and joy, a feast with gifts, and it will give all the visit to the stable. Now, so in the church, usually in Europe there would be an icon, but in our church we had a stable, and the baby Jesus was there, and Leonard, Our Lady, St. Joseph, angels. They put the three kings later in January. And uh, I remember my first time my father took me up there to uh, try and explain to me the stable. But he had told me when I was a tyke that when I was naughty, Jesus had a big book. And every time I was naughty, he wrote it in the book. So he took me up to the stable. I was about three or four years old. And he's trying to explain to me, this is St. Joseph, this is Our Lady, this is the Christ child. I wasn't paying attention. He says to my mother, Louise, he's not paying attention. And he says, why aren't you paying attention? I said, Dad, I don't see no book. So I figured I was all free, huh? I didn't see no book there with all my bad stuff in it. So he could, they got a kick out of that. That's probably my most beautiful Christmas memory. When everybody was alive and we were all together for the feast and everything was just beautifully done. You don't forget those things. And the beauty of the church. The church is always, in our family, the center of everything. No wonder I became a priest. But my dad told me, you were raised special. I was kept away from naughty things, in bad company. I think I told you the story of this little girl, teenager. She comes and knocks on the door. She says to my Baba, my grandmother, can Joey come out? She says, no, he can't come out. She slammed the door. None of that. Interesting. I love this season. Maybe better than others. Of course, I like Lent, too. Because we fast. I love this season of beauty, and I don't want it to be spoiled for you. I want you to keep all the customs, have a beautiful tree. Don't spend too much money on gifts. You have other occasions for that. Maybe St. Nicholas Day. We will have a, St. Nicholas is the sixth. The following Sunday, we'll have a uh, little reception at the rectory. And there'll be a grab bag for the children in St. Nicholas. We'll have somebody act with St. Nicholas. And he'll give out 
Both of them put their hand into the grab bag and get some uh, butter's gift that St. Nicholas put in the bag. So that would be our little celebration uh, for the children here. Just make make sure we know how many children so we have enough stuff for them, okay? And uh, it's important. It's important to me. It's important to the monks. It's important also to say thank you to the people and include them in our celebrations. We have lots of lots of liturgical things we do in the monastery that you really never see. Probably the only way you'll see all those things is if you become a monk. But uh, as remember, I know priesthood is very important. Bishop is very important. This sermon was given at uh, brother. Um, excuse me. Um, Bishop Pipta's homecoming uh, last week, and I watched it on uh, uh, Lizzie's phone. And he talked about the season. And he was just lit. It was so beautiful to watch him celebrate. And the people that were there, his family was there. I thought to myself, you're at the height of your priesthood now. Your family's there. The parishioners that raised you are there. It is truly a sensing of joy. And he talked about Christmas. And he went through the different seasons and what we had the holidays of the 540th day. And he went a little bit through the customs. He was joyful. And it's wonderful to learn our religion through our customs. It's wonderful to remember that the little church is the home. It's wonderful that Jesus Christ came amongst us with a father and a mother to take care of him. And he brought us the beautiful gifts. He didn't bring us the three gifts. But for his Christmas especially, he gave us the, the love of the Incarnation, which was celebrated during the night. He gave us the sweet swell and aroma of the incense. And he gave us, above all, people who love us to celebrate with us. You young people, before you get married or anything like that, think about it. Make sure you're going to do the right thing. Make sure you're going to have a Christian home where the great feast will be celebrated. Make sure you're in the Byzantine church. Nothing is like it. At least in my opinion, because I was raised that way. And I know the Roman church very well. It just wasn't the same. But we would go to sometimes to a midnight mass especially when we were not at home. We were traveling or something. It was beautiful. It was very beautiful. Our faith is a thing of beauty. The beauty of faith keeps us happy and teaches us joy. The beauty of faith teaches us how to love 
our neighbor. The beauty of faith teaches us how to love our family. So when you kneel at the Christmas crib, we'll have a little one here. Make your heart rejoice. In the Slavonic, we say veshela, which means a joyful heart, a joyful, beautiful experience. That's what the holidays should be for you. And each holiday gives you strength to get to the next one and live a liturgical life. A Christian lives a liturgical life. He keeps the feast. He goes to church on the Lord's Day receive the holy gifts. He prepares by penance and a confession for each holy day. He prays each day twice at least, morning and evening. He reads his holy scripture, especially the commentary of the fathers, so he can have joy in his heart. So that when our days on earth are ended, Christ will say to us, you truly observed the life of the church. You truly are prepared for the kingdom of heaven. Come into my house. Come into the great feast. There's neither pain, sorrow, or mourning, but life everlasting and joy and the sound of faith and music throughout heavenly world. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.